Another tough road game awaits for the Eagles as they head to Arrowhead Stadium to play the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. These two teams are relative strangers as the world of the NFL rolls, having played only seven times in a series that dates back to 1972. We're here to talk about the matchup and a whole lot more in this Eagles Live podcast. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro thanking you for joining in this week. We have a great show for you with another great moment in Eagles history ahead. Some perspective from former Eagles Mike Quick and Brian Westbrook, a one-on-one with head coach Doug Peterson, and some in-depth game analysis from the locker room and coaching staff. And oh yeah, we'll hear from a familiar face on the Kansas City sideline who happens to have the most wins as a head coach in Eagles franchise history. First, though, the Eagles spent the early part of their week after the win at Washington working their way through the injury report. Cornerback Ronald Darby suffered a dislocated ankle in Sunday's win at Washington, and the good news is that he could very well return this season. What's unknown is exactly when he will be back. The media reports that say Darby will return in four to six weeks are approximations at this point, and everything will be determined by Darby's rate of recovery in his rehabilitation. A cornerback needs to be quick and agile and confident from the feet up, and that's why this is a tricky injury. In the locker room, Malcolm Jenkins talked about replacing Darby. Everybody on our secondary is played multiple positions. Like between myself, Rodney, Corey Graham, Jalen Watkins, we've all played corner, nickel, and safety. Patrick Robinson's played corner, nickel. So at any point in time, with any injury, we just move guys around. I think we all have a good understanding of the defense in its entirety. And so plugging us in to different spots, you know, only changes our assignment and we feel good about everybody knowing what they're supposed to do. So I think that versatility is something that has been a strong point for us over the last few years and obviously will continue to be as we make it through without Darby. Then there's the matter of the place-kicking department. Somehow, Caleb Sturgis kicked three field goals, one from 50 yards and an extra point after suffering a hip flexor injury on the opening kickoff last Sunday. What a tough guy and a gritty performance. However, Sturgis wasn't healthy enough to continue his season, so the Eagles on Tuesday placed him on injured reserve and signed rookie Jake Elliott from the Cincinnati Bengals practice squad. Sturgis is eligible to return to the active roster after eight weeks should the Eagles see the opportunity there. In the meantime, Elliott is the Eagles' place kicker. He was the Bengals' fifth-round draft pick in April after an All-American career at Memphis. There, Elliott made 81 of 104 field goal attempts, 202 consecutive point-after kicks. Elliott failed to beat out veteran kicker Randy Bullock in an up-and-down preseason performance with the Bengals, but said he is ready for the high-pressure job with the Eagles. We go one-on-one with new Eagles place kicker Jake Elliott. Jake, what's the journey been like here since, I don't know, March? Um, It's been crazy, especially the last day. You know, I've been in Cincinnati, which was an unbelievable opportunity, and then, um, you know, hook on with the practice squad there and get a call yesterday, and now I'm here. So it's been a quick turnaround, but it's been awesome. What will the key be to being ready for Sunday? Um, Just kind of establishing a rhythm with the new guys and um, just getting comfortable, and, you know, they've done a great job with that so far, so I'm excited. What was it like for you in the preseason? How do you think you played? Uh, Was it surprising to you the way it went down in Cincinnati? Um, I don't know. I mean, I thought I had a pretty good camp, pretty good preseason. Um, You know, Randy over there, who ended up winning out the job, just him and he had a heck of a camp, and all credit to him. So, What do you think the the moment in the spotlight, what's that going to be like for you? It'll be interesting. I mean, I think it'll all be fine. I mean, I've got a couple preseason games under the belt. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit different, you know, having your first NFL regular season game. But um, I'm excited, and I'm looking forward to it. Was there any thought at all to staying with the Bengals? Uh, I wanted to play. So, you know, I, I think when it comes down to that, I'm just trying to compete and want to play games. So that's, that's what I'm here for. 
Other roster moves made early in the week. The Eagles added cornerback Devontae Bosby and offensive tackle Victor Soleco to the practice squad and released cornerback C.J. Smith and wide receiver Greg Ward. Now on to the task at hand. How do the Eagles go into Kansas City and defeat the 1-0 Chiefs? Let's start with our weekly one-on-one interview with head coach Doug Peterson as we start with a conversation about quarterback Carson Wentz. Doug, let's begin with Carson Wentz and what he showed you in week one. Good next step for him from the first season? Uh, great first step. You know, I thought he was uh, in command of the offense, uh, had a good handle on our game plan that week, showed the toughness and the resiliency that you need and that we've seen from him and made some outstanding plays with his legs, being able to, you know, extend plays and eyes downfield. thought he played really well for this first game. What does a win like that do for the morale of a football team? Well, it just, uh, you know, winning's contagious. You know, it can feed to everybody and trickle down and gives you a lot of confidence going into the next week. But at the same time, we got to be real. Um, it can also mask, you know, some mistakes and things that we need to fix. So those are things we're going to focus on as well. But at the same time, you know, we need to enjoy it. They're not easy to come by and obviously get ready for the next week. How do you attack Kansas City's defense this week? You're going to see and we're going to see a lot of the same similarities we saw from Washington. You know, they're going to rush five. They're going to play a lot of man coverage. They'll bring some on third down. You know, uh, Coach Sutton does have have you know some exotic pressures and we've got to be ready for that but a lot of the same things we saw from Washington so uh, from that standpoint we'll have a lot of carryover from that game plan. And what is the challenge for the defense against a quarterback Alex Smith who had a huge game last week so mobile accurate with his passes? You know, much like Kirk Cousins and the fact that the ball's going to get out of his hand extremely fast. He's very smart. He's going to be detailed. He's very calculated. At the same time, he's not going to make that big mistake and turn the ball over and put uh, put the team in harm's way. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Yes, Andy Reid is with the Chiefs after 14 seasons in Philadelphia. And yes, it is always special and maybe a bit startling to see Reid on the other sideline. He and the Chiefs came to Philadelphia in 2013 and beat the Eagles. And now he's hosting on Sunday. For Reid, this is still a special experience. Experience. Here are some highlights from what Reed said about playing the Eagles on and off the field during its conference call with Philadelphia reporters this week. Well, I love the city of Philadelphia, first of all. I love my time there with the organization. I still talk to Jeffrey and Howie and Doug, a lot of people there. You don't stay someplace for 14 years and not have a fondness for the place. And I always wish them the best, except when we play, right? So it's one of those deals. But um, I'm always pulling for the Eagles, always pulling for them. A couple of plays he made against the Redskins I thought were tremendous. And so he's got to be very, very good. It's just a matter of building your resume, having more games under his belt by playing. And then that will tell the whole story. But the sky's the limit for him. I think it was a great, great pick by Howie and and the organization there. And what better room to put him in than than with Doug and and Frank and the guys there. So, I mean, it's uh, the opportunity to learn is very important for these young guys. I know they do some things that San Diego did, the other regime there, and uh, when Frank was there, so they do a little bit of that. But most of the stuff is similar to what we do. And will it be different? I'm sure it will be. The defenses are different. So uh, our defense is different than their defense, and that always presents different stuff. This is a very difficult spot for the Eagles. The Chiefs are coming off their blowout win over New England. They have three extra days of rest, having played last Thursday to open the NFL season. And they're really good, starting with an offense that put up 537 yards, averaged 8.3 yards per play, and scored a touchdown on all three trips to the red zone to wallop New England. Defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz has his focus on the quarterback, Alex Smith, who tossed four touchdown passes in a virtually perfect outing in the opener. 
You know, I don't know if it goes underrated, but it is in my book. He's a good athlete, and they run a lot more read option type plays than most teams that will face. So you have to count for that. Bootleg passes, you have to count for that. He does throw the ball quick, but he has the ability to escape if he doesn't throw it quick. You couldn't have a much better game than he had in week one. And uh, the guy's been around for a long time. He's played 13 years, or this is his 13th. I got a lot of respect for that guy and his ability to execute an offense. And we're going to play our very best against him. If you pay too much attention to any one guy, then another guy can make you pay. I mean, Kelsey, 87's got a, a lot of attention also. They have a lot of talent across the board, and the quarterback can get the ball to all of them. So, you know, if you want to spend too much attention on, you know, on Tyreek, then Kelsey, then running backs, all those guys can make plays. And you have to play good, sound defense, and um, you have to be good across the board. It's not just about taking one guy out of this offense. We can't overplay one person at the expense of the other guys. Defensively, the Chiefs want to bring pressure from an excellent front four mixed with blitzes. Kansas City is missing its star safety, Eric Berry, who suffered a season-ending Achilles tendon injury in the Chiefs' win in the opener. The Eagles hope to take advantage of the void, but there are a lot of other formidable pieces on Kansas City's defense, as center Jason Kelsey discusses. What do you see, Jason, from the Chiefs and what they do up front? I mean, they're a solid front. They've been a great front and a great defense for a few years in this league, um, really ever since Andy took over for the most part. They got stout players. They got some guys that can get after the passer. They're going to play man-to-man coverage and force you to beat them mano a mano. Is what they do complicated? It sounds pretty simple. I mean, they have ways of dressing it up and they'll do some complicated things sometimes to throw you off. But for the most part, they're just going to you know line up and say we're better than you. Come beat us. What do you know about the stadium and the loudness of Arrowhead Stadium? Well, I've been to the stadium a few times having a brother that plays over there. And they're a fan base that prides themselves on being loud and being vocal and everything. So you got to be ready for that environment. I'm defensive end Brandon Graham of the Philadelphia Eagles, and you're listening to the Eagles Live Podcast with Dave Spadero. He has been hit the second back at the 48. This time it is Brandon Graham. A big week from Zach Ertz, Eagles tight end in week one. Eight targets, eight catches, 93 yards, a lot of confidence built. Here is Zach Ertz one-on-one. Zach, I remember in the offseason there was a lot of talk about developing chemistry and there was concern among people on the outside that it would be tough to develop a lot of chemistry with Carson. Clearly in the first game that was not an issue. Why and how did you guys really get on the same page throughout the course of the offseason? We finally had an offseason to work together. Last year, Carson was the number three quarterback in the spring. He missed all of summer camp with the rib injury. Then he was named the starter eight days before camp, so it was kind of a... just a blur trying to get everything in against all the different looks. Now we're seeing the game the same ways. And I think it just takes time to build the chemistry and know what everyone's thinking on each and every play versus each and every coverage. So it just takes time, and I thought we had a good start. Obviously, we weren't perfect, but we came out with a win, and that's the most important thing. How did you feel about the way you performed on Sunday? I thought it was a good game. Obviously, I think I could have had a bigger game, but at the end of the day, we got the win. Um, that's all that matters. That's all I'm really focused on. I've said this in the past that I've had the catches and yards in this league, but I've never won a playoff game, and so we haven't been in the playoffs since my rookie year so it's been a long time it's been a drought that's been way too long so we got to right the ship how close do you think this offense is to putting it all together yeah we're close i mean we got to get better in the running game first and foremost that kind of sets up everything else but it starts in the run game and it's going to be an emphasis this week it's going to be emphasis every week Uh, we got to be better in that regard so we're not far off but we got to be better at it how is kansas city's defense what do they show you yeah they're a really good defense obviously it's a 
front seven that's been together a long time. Eric Berry, unfortunately, is not playing. Uh, he was an unbelievable player for them. He's kind of the rock in the middle. But they got a lot of guys, a lot of talent on that front seven. And it's going to be a challenge for us, especially going there, knowing the atmosphere that's going to be going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. But we're excited for the opportunity. What do you hear about that atmosphere? I heard from someone that it will rattle your feelings. I thought he said feelings, but apparently the feelings in your teeth will be rattled. So we're excited. I mean, obviously, I've never played there. I don't think a lot of guys that have been here their whole careers have played there. Um, so it's going to be an exciting atmosphere. How do you overcome rattling your feelings and your feelings? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, Seattle was a good test for us last year. Obviously, we didn't get the win, but it was a good environment for us to kind of replicate that atmosphere. Um, at the end of the day, it's just football with a little extra crowd noise. Uh, we're excited about it. It's going to be a live atmosphere. I'm more excited. Do you get the sense that this game means more to Doug than other games because of Andy Reid on the other side? No, he's been calm and cool all week. Same Doug that he's always been, uh, especially after a win. But ultimately, the last week's over. We're excited about this week. I mean, I think everyone's most excited because it's a very good barometer for where we're at. Obviously, they're an established AFC championship contender team. So it's going to be a very good test for us. Let's hear from some media perspectives who have an Eagles Hall of Fame twist. Former Eagles running back Brian Westbrook knows the Eagles need to run the ball better and must raise their level of game and overcome some injuries to beat Kansas City. Here is B-West. Brian, the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs, the challenges that the Eagles are going to have after that emotional win on Sunday? Well, I don't think it's much of a challenge. I think that it's important that they understand last week was one of 16, and they have to move forward now and take all the things, the good things that you did in the game, and now you move forward with those things, but you have to go back to practice and make sure that you correct all of the bad things, and there's a lot of things to correct. What do you think you know about the Eagles' offense after week one, good and bad? Well, I think they certainly need to do a much better job blocking, pass, and run. The run running backs have to participate in that, picking up the blitz, things like that. But we know that we have a quarterback that has mobility, knows how to evade the rush, and will throw the ball down the field. And I think we have a pretty good group of receivers that can catch the football. They're going to be active. They're going to make big plays. That's going to mean a lot for our quarterback. How do you feel about the running backs and the run game? They need to continue to get better. It takes work. It takes time. They didn't get an awful lot of work in the preseason. And so now they have to find the rhythm with the offensive line. Defensive line came up big, Brian. They're going to be so key without Ronald Darby. The most important part of your defense is the guys up front. You don't want to have to blitz, but when you do, you have to be able to get to the quarterback. They did a great job of that last week, didn't allow Kirk Cousins to be comfortable. And I think that's going to be so important for this team as they move forward in the next few weeks. Are the Kansas City Chiefs for real? They're a well-coached team. We know that. They're a team that has a lot of talented players. They're also a defense that's going to come after you and attack. And they're in the stadium that's probably the loudest in the NFL. And so they have a lot of good things going, but they are beatable. They do make some mistakes, and we have to be able to capitalize on those. So when you lose a great player like a safety in Eric Berry, how do you attack that void? Play action pass, make the safety put his eyes in the backfield, make him take one false step, and you throw over top of his head. It was a couple times in that game where Torrey Smith was open. We didn't connect on him in the way that I think we should. I think in the next few weeks is going to be crucial for the development of this team and offense in particular that they make those connections. Is this the kind of game that kind of stamps the Eagles as a for real team if they win? No. That's not going to stamp you not in your second game. It's going to be a, another step in the process. You have to continue to work at it. You have to continue to get better. And it's only week two. So a lot more season to go. Thanks, P.W. All right. Thanks. Are the Chiefs for real? Radio analyst and former Eagles wide receiver Mike Quick thinks the Chiefs show their true colors in Week 1, making for a really tough task on the road for the Eagles in Week 2. Here is our press pass with Mike Quick. 
Mike Quick, what do you take out of game one from the Philadelphia Eagles? How good was it? It was very good. When you win the first game and it's a division game, and especially on the road, they've looked at this team's record last year on the road. They won one game. So already you've matched last year's total. So that to me is big. And especially against the Redskins, a team that you've lost to the last five times you played. And looking at the way the team played down there, I was really encouraged. Like the additions that they made in the offseason and to watch this team now starting to gel and put all of those pieces in place and get a big win in Washington. One of those pieces, Mike Ron Darby, will not be around for a while here. What is the significance of that loss? Well, I think now Jalen Mills becomes your lead dog at that position, but you've still got some young guys. They picked up McDougal. I don't know if they'll bring up Rasul Douglas. It's going to affect the position, but it doesn't affect, I don't think, the entire defense. I think if Jim Swartz is comfortable with his guys on the outside, that they can hold up in coverage for two seconds is really all you need. If you got two, two and a half seconds, the pressures that he wants to send should get there and affect the quarterback. And you want to continue to affect quarterbacks. You cannot allow quarterbacks to just stand back and throw the football. So to just play zone is not the way to do it. If you play zone, you got to run some dogs or some stunts, blitzes inside those zones. I expect Swartz to continue to bring pressure to try and get at the quarterback. But of course, if he's able to do it with his front four, and I thought they did a fantastic job on Sunday against the Redskins, then that's most effective. I wonder if fans take Kansas City seriously. Do you think they should? I know they should. Kansas City has a lot of great young talent, and they've got a quarterback that knows how to run an offense. I think they're solid all the way around. They're a pretty good defensive unit. That's a good football team, so I take them seriously, and I hope fans do. They fired their GM. They didn't get anything out of their first-round pick, a quarterback they're developing. All of a sudden, they go out there and they whoop up on the defending Super Bowl champions, and you want to know, is it fact or fiction? I mean, Kareem Hunt, third-round draft pick, a huge day, 148 yards, and rushing and 98 yards and a touchdown, three total touchdowns. I don't know. I look at Kansas City and say, how do they get so good? Well, they fired a GM, but that GM is the guy responsible for most of the talent on that roster. He was just fired in this offseason, and that guy has been a guy bringing in talent for a long time. He was in Green Bay for a while, and John Dorsey, I always thought, was one of the better talent evaluators in the league. So they get rid of Dorsey, but that talent that Dorsey bought in there is still there, and they are reaping the benefits of that talent pool. Mike, big picture here about the Eagles running game. Can they become a very effective run team? They have to. Wendell Smallwood is the most dynamic of the running backs that they have on the roster. And of course, LeGarrette Blunt, he's the thumper. They want to use him between the tackles, but they have to get the run game going better. You don't want to have Carson Wentz throw the ball 40 times every game. That's not what you want from your young quarterback. You want to be able to support him with a solid run game so that you don't put all the weight on his shoulders to win games for you. It was a theme last week, starting strong. Again, the Eagles go into this really hostile environment. And to me, if they fall behind, it's going to be really hard to come back against Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. But a lead would make a huge difference. So does Doug come out and throw the football down the field once again? Well, it's Doug. He throws the ball down the field. Same with Andy Reid. They both are guys who like to throw it. They like to throw it a lot. And he's going to throw the football. And yes, Arrowhead's a tough place to play. And you want to try and do anything you can to take the starts out of that crowd early in the football game. But it's a stadium. No matter where they are on the scoreboard, they're going to create communication problems. So that's a thing that the Eagles have to work on this week. And Doug knows that. He spent enough time there to understand what the crowd's going to be like. Thanks, Mike. You got it. And now for another great moment in Eagles history, we go back to the 2003 season, the playoffs, Lincoln Financial Field, Green Bay Packers, and a very, very tough spot. Cross your fingers, Eagles fans. Hold your breath. 
Ryan Dawkins intercepts it. 31 yard field goal attempt by David Akers. And we're tied with five seconds left. Can you say overtime? The reality is there's not a play to you run in 426. There's just not a play. Talk about your bleak moments. The date was January 11, 2004. The Eagles trailed the Green Bay Packers 17-14 at a somber Lincoln Financial Field. With quarterback Donovan McNabb at the helm, the Eagles faced a fourth and 26 yards to go play to keep the game alive from their own 26-yard line with one minute, 12 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. Safety Brian Dawkins sums up the mood and then what happened next. It was desperation mode. You know, we were on the sideline. We did a good job of coming back on a team that we let get a big lead on us, and that was the culmination of something special. For whatever reason, they decided not to jam Fred at the line of scrimmage, which they had been doing all game. He ran free up the scene. Donovan found him, and he got it, and we had life. Here it is. It is fourth and 26. McNabb is back. He's looking. He is firing, and it is caught by Freddie Mitchell, short of the first. I don't know, did he get it? Does he have a first down? He does. He does have a first down. He's across midfield, and he's into Packer territory at the 46. The completion to Freddie Mitchell gave the Eagles life indeed, and they made the most of it. McNabb was able to get the Eagles into scoring position with a run to gain a first down, and place kicker David Akers stepped up and made a 37-yard field goal to send the game into overtime. This will be a 37-yarder with 10 seconds left. Here we go. Hold your breath. Now, the thing that was weird, I missed a kick early in the game, and this was really a strange wind in the stadium. And when we get southwest winds in the wintertime, it comes through that corridor down there, and it really pushes the ball off. I missed a short kick, but I was like, man, I did not expect the ball to move the way it did. So I came back out of halftime and made adjustments on the kicks, and I actually aimed outside the uprights and just trusted that the wind, what we saw in, in warm-ups, would allow it to move over. The ball is spotted. The kick is away. I really felt that it was just kind of knowing the stadium and learning from the mistake. It's gone! And we're tied with five seconds left! Overtime didn't last long. Dawkins ended the Packers' opening drive with an interception of a Brett Favre pass deep down the sideline. A huge play at the time, but one that Dawkins now says was, in fact, fairly routine. One of those overload blisses that the late, great Jim Johnson used to love to do. We disguised very well. I disguised like I was going to be on the right side of the football field and snap of the ball. I ran full speed to the left and he didn't think I would be there. One of their adjustments was, I forget the receiver's name over there, but he was a tall receiver. And so a lot of times they would just throw jump balls with him in the cornerback in those situations. And Lito was actually going to have help over top by me because we were rotating to that side. And He basically threw a punt. I just had to make sure I caught it and returned it. Dawkins returned the interception 30 five yards into Green Bay territory, setting up Akers with a chance to win the game and send the Eagles to their third consecutive NFC Championship game. What a way to end the game as David Akers has just kicked the field goal that has sent the Eagles into the NFC Championship game as they beat the Green Bay Packers 20-17. Dawkins catches the almost the gift from Brett Favre to get us down into field goal range not long into overtime there. So that was just, again, one of the greatest games to be a part of. The play and the game are permanently etched in the memories of Eagles fans and anyone who saw the game or who took part in it. And to this day, in fact, at least one person wonders if Mitchell really reached 
the first down mark. Here is former Eagles linebacker Ike Reese. I just remember that play. I remember making sure I got right where the first down yard marker were. So I was at that 26-yard mark on fourth and 26, and I see that play happen. And I got to be honest with you, still to this day, I think we got a highly favorable spot. I still think we were about a yard to a half a yard short of that first down mark, at least from where I was standing. And I thought we got a favorable spot. So the football gods were shining down on us on that day for sure. The legacy of 4th and 26 lives on forever. That will do it for this week's Eagles Live podcast. We're back with the Instant Reaction podcast on Sunday night after the Eagles-Chiefs game. So make sure to listen then for the feel of the post-game locker room. Thanks to Brian Thomas and Richard Chu for making the podcast so great. And thanks to you for tuning in. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Have a great Eagles night and fly, Eagles fly.